and welcome to the Tantric Lounge. Thanks for joining us yet again for, what are we up to? It's uh, season three, episode three. Yes, three, three. Yes, I'm here. Do you think that's significant? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I'm here with my creative collaborator, the brain coach, Xavier Watercane. Hello, as ever. hello, hello world. And what's the latest on Planet Jacqueline? What's the latest on Planet Jacqueline? Yes, yes. Oh, well, it's still a ridiculously busy time for me as I'm preparing all of these fabulous new products and so forth for people to be able to access from anywhere in the world. Online programs for men and for women and for couples. My book is just about ready to be to be launched, The Seven Sex Goddesses. That's all terribly exciting. Redoing my website, which is going to make it easier for people to use your your, your website is a, a work in constant progress. It has to be a work in constant progress. I guess so. I guess so. Yes. Um, for the listeners, we have been exploring Jacqueline's box this morning. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> or at least one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the one on the floor next the, to me. Yes, the one on the floor mm. next to um, And mm. she's got all of these fetish things. <laughs> these fetish things. All these fetish things. I'm holding another box. Oh, are you? There's lots yes, of I have, I have many boxes in hand. <laughs> Full of interesting yes, things. One of them is fetish fantasy series, Grey Silk Ties. Okay. Mm. There's right. another one. There's another one. Fetish fantasy series, Bondage Tape. Is that sort of like gaffer tape? Only well, no, it's interesting. Bondage. It's made out of PVC, so it sticks to itself. But Oh, it's cohesive. Well, yeah, but it's not sticky. It, oh, I see. It's sort of like Velcro. Like but plastics much, that but sticks to each other. Oh, okay, but very yeah. smoother. So for people who can't be bothered with ties and stuff like that. Jute bondage rope. Yes, for well, those that like it a little rougher. But at least it's made of a natural material. It is natural. Jute. Yes, yeah, I've got. Look at these ones. Well, you can, well, I mean, the, uh, my, uh, our listeners can't actually look, so <laughs> let's actually describe it. Mini silk ropes. Mm. Oh, so they're actually made of silk. Yeah, yeah, these are silk ones. Oh, yeah. so how many little worms died to make this fetish gear? Oh, please, don't make me feel bad about it. It's supposed to be all about pleasure. No, okay, actually, today's program is all about pleasure. It is indeed. It's about the anatomy of pleasure. Yes. Or actually sexual anatomy, which is sort of more or less the same thing. Well, that's what's so interesting when we're talking about the anatomy of sex, which is today's topic and which our guest today, with whom today's sex geek, Cindy Darnell, um, is very interested in this particular topic. Cindy's a bit like me. I consider us soul sisters in this effort to uh, educate people well around sexuality and pleasure and so forth. So she's putting together an atlas of erotic anatomy and arousal. What, what, and what uncharted territory is mm. um, Sydney going to be mapping? I guess we'll ask her when she comes on. Well, we will ask her when she comes on. Uh, she'll be coming on halfway through the show because, unfortunately, she's not available just yet. But So we're going to be talking for the first half of the show more about anatomy. And the fact is, is that human bodies are sexual pleasure machines. Yes, we don't give ourselves enough credit for that, no. that our bodies are capable of incredible pleasure mm. and probably are designed for pleasure. Absolutely. Because if you think about life in general, mm. what would be the point if it weren't pleasurable? Well, I mean, I guess some people would argue the point of life is to prove that you're good so that you can then go to heaven. Mm, yeah, but why can't it be pleasurable along the way? Why because can't you be, have to why can't, suffer to get the pleasure at the end. Right, so that the idea of goodness and pleasure being the same thing is not necessarily... No, because pleasure problem. is the work of the devil and the ah. devil tempts you to fall into pleasurable activities so that you forsake your spiritual duties. Yes. Right, okay. Mm. 
You're not there, though. That's not. No, that's, not, that's definitely that's, that's not, definitely not me. The, that's that's definitely not the tantric. Way. It's not the tantric. The way. tantric way assumes mm. that pleasure and goodness mm. are one and the one same. And the same. Yes. Purely because it. Re- I mean, to a certain extent, you must define what it is that is good. Yes. It's tantra assumes that the more spiritually lo- evolved mm. find good pleasure in goodness. Yes, and that that is a, achievable in the everyday. And in fact, most of what so many people regard as pleasurable mm. are actually activities that tantra wouldn't find pleasurable at all. Excessive drug taking, excessive drinking, excessive eating. Mm. Mm. Yes, sex excessive low-quality sex. Well, yes, it is. And, you know, we've discussed this um, quite a lot in more recent shows that in the West, because we have had this kind of really bipolar attitude to pleasure, that people, when they are thinking that they're experiencing pleasure, they do go to excess. And the energy that's behind it is not necessarily a positive spiritual energy, but it's almost like an addictive over-the-top um, kind of an kind of an experience, and for the for those who really need to get this really clear, mm. there's nothing pleasurable about excess. No, more ple- more. If you find something that works, mm. more of it isn't necessarily going to make it more pleasurable. There is a peak yes. after you reach that peak. Yes, and the pleasure actually comes in the the savoring of the moment. So if we use a food example, as I do so love to use food examples, if you have one exquisite chocolate and you savour that one exquisite chocolate so that every nanosecond of the experiencing of the chocolate is divinely blissful, joyful, pleasurable, then that is going to be far more pleasurable and therefore enhancing, life-enhancing, than if you scoff it down and go, wow, I'm going to eat the whole box. So think of your body, this Mm. pleasure machine, as Mm. a chocolate box of pleasure and that each little section of it... I sense an analogy coming on. Oh, yes, yes. And and each little part of it is its own little bonbon. (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. So a lot of the a, a lot there is a lot of fun to be had by mm. discovering each little bonbon all over in both outside and inside mm. and finding the unique pleasure that can come from that particular little sweetie num num. <laughs> sweetie num nums indeed. So today's sweetie num num, we're actually going to be looking particularly at the, the biggest chocolate in the box. The Which, genitals. All <laughs> oh, right, okay. Although the, some people the, would argue that the, they're... The one with the liqueur centre. <laughs> I don't know. I think mine would have like a hazelnut crunch. Oh, you, you're the hazelnut Yeah, Yes, I don't like soft centres I don't like soft centres. Well, no, if you've got a cherry in the middle. Mm, I don't think I go for cherries. Boom, boom. I think I like my chocolate a little harder than that. Oh, you like a little bit more mature as yeah, well. Yes, it's all the fetish gear around the place. Anyway. anyway, maybe I'm just getting ready for tomorrow's live tantric lounge event, which is Cosmic Kink. Love it, where, where tantra meets kink. Um, but I'm getting off the topic here. We were talking about the yummy, anat- fruity yeah. bonbons. Yes, we were what talking about the, anat- yes, the sweetie num-nums. <laughs> sweetie num-nums. Sweetie num-nums of, of anatomical yes. pleasure. Yes, and I am going to go racing on down to the genitals, and I think I have said many times that we really shouldn't go racing on down to the genitals. In fact, we focus way too much on the genitals when we're talking about sex in our society. But since we hardly ever talk about the genitals at all on this program, really. Don't we? 
Uh, we don't talk about the genitals that often. Oh, poor little genitals. Okay, so we can now concentrate on the genitals. Yes, and in fact, that's what I'd like everybody to do. I'd like everybody to, all the listeners, to uh, close their eyes, unless you're driving, of course. Yes, unless you're driving, of course, and just, in fact, let's just give our, our genitals a bit of a squeeze, getting down to the pelvic floor. Not necessarily with your hands. No, 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 I want to feel it from the inside. Yeah. <laughs> you're not. What? I just had this image of people listening to this while they're driving. And they're, <laughs> We're just going to share. Free, with their free hand, they thought. <laughs> That's not what we mean. No, 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 no. I'm hoping that everyone listening is, is just doing some nice, gentle little pelvic squeezes on the inside. Um, we've covered this in other shows, but for those who might be new and haven't actually spent much time getting in touch with their pelvic floor, so right down in our pelvis, <clears throat> we have a girdle of muscle. We have a couple of um, girdles of muscle in our bodies. There's the diaphragmic um, one and then there's the pelvic one. And it's like this girdle of, of muscle that holds everything in your pelvis in so all the bits don't fall out. And it's very important that we keep our pelvic floors nice and toned so that the bits don't fall out. These are core strengthening exercises that your mm. personal trainer doesn't deal with. Well, hopefully they do deal with it, particularly for women. I don't think many do. Mm. I don't think many are conscious about that particular area of anatomy, but I could be wrong. Mm. Well, I was at CrossFit. I've taken up CrossFit. I'm going to become a CrossFit junkie. Um, <clears throat> and uh, we got talking about pelvic floors because there's a lot of jumping involved in CrossFit. <sighs> and anyone, any woman who's had children can find jumping can be a little bit... Um, Awkward. Disruptive, sure. Disruptive, yes. So we actually did end up, but then maybe that's me because I tend to talk about these things a lot. But um, yes, anyway, so squeezing the pelvic floor. So it's as though you're trying to stop the urine flowing. And I just want you to just squeeze and relax and squeeze and relax. Um, so that you get. I'm squeezing, sense. I'm relaxing. I'm you squeezing. look like you're squeezing and relaxing. You look like you're going off into this little sort of space. Yes. Yes. It tends to awaken my kundalini doing this. Mm. Yeah, well, it does. I mean, I'm, I think we've talked about this before, that the, you can actually use your pelvic floor as like an energy pump so that as you get more in touch with both the physical and the energetic parts of your pelvis, then you can draw up the – oh, my God, I just did it. You can draw up the energy up your spine, okay? But today we're focusing more on the physical aspect rather than the energetic aspect. Um, so we're just imagining that we're sending up lovely feelings up our vagus nerve. You see, because all down through the pelvis there, there are lots and lots of nerve endings. As you can imagine, for it to be such a pleasurable part of the body, there have to be a huge number of nerve endings down there. And women and in particular have lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of nerve endings down there. Okay. Another reason why <clears throat> women can have greater sexual pleasure than men can, but by experiencing their sexual pleasure, they take their man there. So all of those nerves come up the spine and they go all the way up the spine up to your brain and that's how you feel all this fabulous pleasure. So whether the kundalini rising is in fact electronic signals travelling up our vagus nerve from our genitals up into our brain, who knows, who really cares? They're, they're both aligned with each other. So... Um, so this what, is very much a foundation exercise. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. See, when you, if you get your pelvic floor toned, not only does it keep you really connected 
with your pelvis. So your pelvis is less like a foreign country down there somewhere. And it just becomes, it becomes like your hand. Like for me personally, when I squeeze my pelvic floor, I feel it as consciously as if I'm opening and closing my hand. How often should somebody do this? Once a day? Whenever you feel like it? Yeah. Yeah, the more you do, the better. Can you, is it it possible to overtrain it? Well, yeah, it can be actually. Some some women have problems if they've got a lot of tension down there and it can actually lead to um, uh, vaginismus or if they have a tendency toward, towards that, yeah. So one thing I do want to stress, and let's just focus on this for a moment, everybody, as you're continuing to do this, is as you, clo- as you draw in, you also need to gently release out, right? So not, you don't have to push too hard, but it's kind of a drawing in and a releasing out, yeah? So we're getting we'll, the whole yin-yang flow. And we'll let people practice that while we go to a break. Yes, we will. Welcome back. The... Um Today's topic of discussion is the anatomy of sex and Jacqueline is about to take us through our genitals, <laughs> so to speak. I am indeed, I am. So hopefully everyone has been doing some lovely gentle pelvic floor squeezes in and out, releasing, so they're feeling really present in your pelvis. So what we're going to do now is we're going to go through the male genitalia and the female genitalia. So what I'm going to invite you to do, listeners, is to do it for both sexes. So even if you are if you are a man, for instance, when I do the female one, I still want you to imagine that um, you have those female genitals. Okay, so just kind of it's almost like an, getting in touch with your energetic feminine, and the same for the women. So when I go through the male genitals. Um, you're, you're feeling your, like your energetic penis and so forth. It's quite an interesting experience. So Makes me wish we were snails. So that we could change genders. Well, actually, snails can, can, can be or simultaneously um, mm. ambisexual. Mm. That would be interesting. It would be. It would alter human society in incredible ways. It would. It would certainly change masturbation, wouldn't it? Well, it would certainly, but it also change the. It would change everything about the way that we relate to each other. That you, your mm. entire destiny wouldn't be based on your based gender. on your gender. I mean, if you think about it, the most important thing that ever happens to you mm. is that you are born a particular gender. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Then when we get into the whole gender politics and and looking at um, people who are intersex. Yeah, but if we were all intersex. Whole, yeah. If there was only would, one gender. If there were only one gender. And mm. can you imagine what mating would be like? It'd be twice the fun. Well, yes, because we could still mate with other people, couldn't we? Yeah, we'd, we'd still mate with other people. just have twice as many genitals. Too. Yeah, so this is an exercise in exploring that possibility mm. of the potential within each of us to be the mm. other gender. Well, I think it's so important. I'm getting off the topic here. I'm going to run out of time to go through our genitals. But that whole thing about the the yin and the yang is getting in touch with our inner yin and inner yang and our inner feminine and our inner masculine and to get that balance. So most of us have only what we've expressed physically as one or all the other. Um, But, yeah, we need to get in touch with both. So let's go through. All right. So let's start with the male, with the male genitalia. So I would like everybody to bring their awareness down, and we're going to actually start with the scrotum, okay? So for the people who do actually have physical scrotums, you can feel that down there. And for those of us who don't have physical scrotums, let's just imagine that right where the opening of our vaginas is, there is actually some some skin hanging down there, which is actually... um, 
the same flesh as the outer labia in a woman. So if you're a woman imagining this, just imagine that your outer labia have actually extended down, formed a sac, um, and that you have no vaginal opening. And that inside that sac, you have these testes. So which are actually your ovaries. Which for the women is exactly the same. Yeah, our gonads, they're called gonads. Women have ovaries and men have testes. So men, just get down there. Just really feel, without touching with your hands, I just want you to feel it with your mind, the testes that are in your scrotum. So you've got two. And for the ladies, to feel, just to imagine that you've got them there. Just feel, kind of what would it feel like, the weight and so forth, and to have that sort of external protrusion of genitalia that as women we don't have, okay? Now, coming from the testes, so in the testes, that's where the sperm is produced, and that's produced constantly, okay? So the sperm's never more than a few days old. It gets reabsorbed back into the body if it's not used. But coming out from the testes is a very long tube, and that tube goes up the front, okay? So just imagine that coming out from your testes, coming up the front, just from the inside from your lower tummy, it actually goes in front of your pubic bone, and then it goes way behind past your bladder, Right, so it's going so it goes back into your body and then it goes down again. And as it's going down, it it um there's a whole bunch of um glands and so forth that are attached to the tube. Um so there's the prostate and there's the bulbourethral gland and there's other glands like this. The tube itself is called the vas deferens. Yes, the vas deferens. <clears throat> And as that tube, the vas deferens, goes around, when it passes by these glands, they put into it various little substances, seminal fluid and so forth, <clears throat> mix that all up with the sperm. A sort of river for the little tadpoles to swim in. Yes, it is, but to make them more mobile. Okay, so let's just hold that there. Otherwise, they'd just be flopping around all the place. You wouldn't get very far. <laughs> they might go all over the place, yes. They need it for nourishment. Now, let's just hold that for a moment, and I want you to bring your attention to your bladder, which interestingly is going to be in the same place for men and women, okay? And that's sort of sitting right in the middle there, a little bit towards the front, okay? And you might have a sense right now of how full your bladder is. So... For the gentleman, as your urethra, which is the tube that comes from the bladder out to transport the urine, so just as it comes out of the bladder heading down, that's where the vas deferens will join the urethra, okay? And so the two join up and then the urethra will then continue down all the way through your penis to the end. So just visualise that. So you can just imagine that little intersection where the vas deferens, which has been passing by all of these glands, meets the urethra just as it comes out of the bladder, okay? And have a sense of it going all the way through your penis to the end, okay? And then get very present in your penis, okay? So you can just feel just feel it sitting there. <clears throat> it's probably flaccid. I don't think this conversation's that exciting. <laughs> just feeling the weight of it sitting there. And for the women to imagine it too, just to imagine what it's like to have this external protrusion, which is in fact an external clitoris. It's the whole, our clitoris is on the inside. For, for the guys, their clitoris is actually all external and we call it a penis. Okay, so it's a huge, big extended yes, clitoris. A, yes, a penis is a clitoris on steroids, literally. Well, to an extent, actually. I mean, we actually, women actually have a lot of, of clitoris on the inside, which we'll ah. do in a moment. Yes. So just hold that thought. Okay. So just for now, I just want you to sit there and just really have this sense of, okay, 
I've felt my, my scrotum and my testes. I've felt my bladder, felt my penis. I'm aware of all the tubes that connect them. If you want, you can go back a little bit further now and just be aware of, and this is the same for men and women, the anal opening and the rectum and how that sits behind the bladder. Yeah. Okay, so we've got that whole sense of, of what it is to have male genitalia. All right, so now let's move on to the female, which is quite a little bit more complicated. So this will be quite interesting for men and women. So let's bring our attention, first of all, to our vaginal opening. So you can squeeze that a little bit. So guys, for you, this is kind of where the, where the scrotum is, sort of a little bit of towards the back of the scrotum. So just imagine that there you've got an opening and that when you're squeezing your pelvic floor, you're actually kind of like opening and closing the opening of your vagina a little bit. It's kind of an interesting sensation. It's quite deep, actually. Mm. And then have a sense that you have, so for the women, just to follow your vagina inwards as it goes sort of slightly back and up into your body, all right, about, you know, about five, four or five inches or so, okay, about 10, 12 centimetres. But they vary in length, okay. And I just want you to have that feel that and just most of the time it's a collapsed tube. It only opens up when something goes in. Okay, so it's not like a, a hollow tube, it's a collapsed tube. And then at the top of it, if you can feel that firing, once you get really good at working your pelvic floor, you can actually feel this. But right at the top of the vagina, there is the cervix. Okay, and this is the opening into the uterus. And it's like a, a little knob, it's like a hard little knob with a dimple in the middle. And that dimple is actually an opening that goes into your, your, your uterus. And that's where the babies grow and that too most of the time is collapsed as well unless there's a baby growing inside okay so you can just sort of feel that at the back and then so if you just this is all in your lower lower pelvis so if you put if you were to put your hands just over your lower your lower tummy below your belly button that's where all of this is happening now coming off from either side of the uterus are two fallopian tubes which then join with the ovaries okay so that it that just extends out and they're sort of sitting a little bit above your hip bones. So interesting for the guys to imagine you've got this vagina that's going inside with, a, with the uterus at the top, fallopian tubes off either side and an ovary at either side. So the ovaries would look like your testes if you could actually feel them. Now, interestingly, I want us to now, so just in front of the vaginal opening at the front, um, you're just in front of it, you're going to have your urethral opening. It's just in front of the vagina there. And this is quite interesting. So we've already done the bladder. The urethra itself for women is quite short because there's not, there's not much distance between the, the, um, the bladder and the opening. But what's interesting here is that it's surrounded by some engorging material that as a woman becomes aroused, this um, expands and she, you can feel it inside her vagina. And that's the G-spot. And that's all very exciting and arousing and puffing up and so forth as well. And often a woman will release liquid from her urethral sponge, which is what it's called <clears throat> when she gets excited. Now, I also want to talk about the clitoris. So you can feel your clitoris right at the front there. So, guys, this is sort of like where your, where your penis is. There's the little, just imagine that you only had a tiny little tip of a penis sticking out there, just as sensitive, but just a tiny little tip. And then on the inside, so in a penis, the two legs are inside the penis, but in a woman, it's like a, um, a wishbone shape and they go down, the two legs of the clitoris go down either side of the genitalia, so underneath the outer labia or the outer lips, and they travel all the way down 
past the vagina. So they're actually quite long, and which is why the, the clitoris and the penis are actually fairly similar in size. All right? So I just want you to sit Except there. Except that most of the clitoris is inside. On the inside, yeah, and, it, and it's a wishbone shape. So just with your eyes closed, so just feeling the external clitoris and then there's the shaft of the clitoris, which is just about a centimetre, and then it, it goes back at a pretty well 90-degree angle or more and separates into two legs, which are under the skin there, and they go back down all the way along and they actually go around the sides of the vaginal opening as well. So inside a woman, there's all this material that engorges with blood when she becomes aroused and all of that engorging of blood and all of the nerve endings and so forth is in part what makes it all so pleasurable and exciting. And it just allows women that greater sexual response because it's not mm. so hair trigger, it's all diffuse. Yes, yes, yes. The, 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 the um, great pot that needs to be warmed constantly. Yes, you're really in the mood for the analogies today. Yeah, I am, I am, I am. I'm just thinking, mm. oh, that cauldron, that was the thing. The cauldron, yes, <laughs> the, cauldron, the cauldron. The cauldron of sensuality. Yes, the woman's gentle cauldron that you need to keep that pot simmering and it's all engorged and that's when it gets all lush and and, and squishy and lots of lovely oozy kind of Wet stuff happens. Wetness, Wetness. slippery stuff that comes out the walls of the vagina and there's the watery stuff that comes out through the urethral from the urethral sponge and then deep inside around the cervix there's lovely white kind of thick yummy kind of substances that ooze. And we'll let people think about and contemplate this while we go to a break. Yes, and when we come back I'm hoping we will have Cindy Darnell with us. And welcome back, listeners, to the final part of our show. And I'm very excited because on the line we have the fabulous, wonderful Cindy Darnell. Hello, Cindy. Hello, Jacqueline. Thank you for having me. Oh, look, it's an absolute pleasure. Let me just do a little bit of an intro blurb about you, if I may. So everybody listening in, Cindy is one of Australia's leading sex therapists with over 20 years' experience studying human sexuality from the clinical to the esoteric. Um, in fact, Cindy's a lot like me, I think, one of the, the few people out there who's doing absolutely fabulous work to open us up to our sexual potential, which includes the potential of pleasure. Would I be right, yeah. Cindy, in saying that's really part of your focus? That's probably all of my focus. I think <laughs> could be quite justified in saying it's really all about having a good time because mm-hmm. even though, you know, we jest and, and, and it is kind of funny because we live in a, in a culture, it's not just within mm. Australia, the United States, the UK is the same. We live mm. in a culture that doesn't prioritize pleasure. We prioritize a lot of other things. We prioritize money and family and jobs and all of these things and these are great things to prioritize as well. It's not an mm. either or situation. It's an and situation. Mm. There's still something about pleasure for its own sake that is perceived, I think, to be as a little bit self-indulgent or perhaps Mm -hmm. sinful or something that we should be ashamed of or afraid of, which Mm. when we start to unpack that, there's often no real reason why other than, I guess, cultural conditioning to a degree. Well, I'm I'm totally Mm. sold on pleasure, so your work is done. (laughs) <laughs> oh, good. All right, then. Well, I'll, I'll be off then. Bye. <laughs> yes. Yes, so if you, you're not the only person in the world. I think he struggles with that sometimes. <laughs> oh, well, we, we all need to be validated every now and again, don't we? <laughs> yes. So, Cindy, because you're you, like me, you're a sex therapist, so you work with people all of the time. And, yeah, yeah so do you find that this whole pleasure issue is something that gets in the way of, of people being able to really, you know, fulfil themselves and have happy lives? 
Yeah, look, I think it gets in the way in a variety of ways. Um, mm-hmm. One of the ways is that um, a lot of folks feel like they have to fit some version of a prescribed pleasure. So uh-huh, often yes. I will work with couples who will say, you know, everything's great in our relationship, da-da-da-da-da, you know, he, she ticks all the boxes. And immediately my ears mm-hmm. prick up and I think, hang yes. on, what is that about? Your partner is a, is a, is a box, like, to tick? Mm-hmm. And what kind of connection do you have? And it's yes. at that point that I start to question them about uh, what it is that brings them together. What is it? How do they share quality time together? How do they share a connection together, whether that's an emotional connection, um, a mm. physical connection, a spiritual connection, whatever version of connection it resonates mm. for them um, yep. that can often be, I guess, forgotten that when we get caught up in, in bills and, and chores and driving kids around and mortgage payments and all of this, we sometimes forget that we actually have to make time for pleasure, mm. that it's not, you know, we're not 15 and fumbling around in the back of cars anymore. <laughs> yes, thank we goodness, don't have on some level, you know. <laughs> yeah. And as much as that's fun when you're 15, and I think 15-year-olds mm. should be able to do that, and it's a great thing to do when you're mm. not 15. When you're, oh, yeah, I mean, when you're 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, mm. I mean, look, if you want to go and get around and get in the back of a car just for old time's sake, why not, quite frankly? Yeah. There is that element of it as well, you know. But oh, on the, the front boot or out the side of it being indeed. shoved Indeed, but my point is Deciding where you're going to put when the you're scoot, 15, <laughs> yeah, when you're 15, you don't have the responsibilities that you do no. when you're in 30s and 40s is my point. So yes. I suggest to people that they need to make time for it. Mm. Uh, mm. And, and I think that's the thing that gets forgotten in the same way that if we want to learn a language or we want to lose weight, we have to uh, mm. we have to put in the effort. We have to dedicate ourselves to it. And yes. making time for pleasure is another thing we have to put time and effort into. Mm. And the whole idea of um, prioritizing pleasure does actually have physical and health benefits for us, doesn't it? Mm. Absolutely. Mm. Well, prioritizing pleasure can be a combination of things. So um, it can be a physical thing, as you know. It can, and it and it can yep. come not just through partnered sex. So I'm sure a lot of the listeners are not partnered mm. and thinking, "Oh, I'd like to have a partner, and wouldn't it be nice?" But that mm. doesn't mean that their sex lives don't exist. I know a lot of. Um, people who are not in relationships who have very, very passionate sex lives with themselves using Mm. different kinds of massages, different kinds of toys, different kinds of tantra practices for solo pleasure. It can come in a variety of ways that Mm. just really gives you a little bit of a spring in your step and a sparkle Mm -hmm. in your eye that Mm. is your little thing. And you don't have to be singing it from the rooftops. I mean, you can if you want to, but (laughs) it's that little thing that people are like, what's he got or what's she Mm. got? I want a bit of Mm. that. I would argue that there is no such thing as unpartnered sex because uh-huh. the partner, because there is always the partnership that you have with the greater universe. Mm. Yes, absolutely. And making I mean, love to I the mean, universe I mean, is a wonderful thing to exactly, do. Exactly. And, and take it from me. I think, you know, God is great in the sack. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, he slash she slash they are. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. And so tell us a bit about this new projects. I know you've done lots of really exciting and interesting things like you hosted the Pleasure Forum for a number of years and yes. so forth. Yes. And now you've got an atlas. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yes. So this is a project that I'm crowdfunding for. I've currently mm-hmm. got five days 
left. So, um, yeah, five. Count them. Mm. One, two, three, four, five. That's it. Okay. Um, right. So, now the project is called the Atlas of Erotic Anatomy and Arousal, which is a lot of words to remember. So, um, people listening could probably just go to my website, which is easier, Cindy Darnell. Dot com um, Cindy as Can you in, spell that because you spell your name a little unusually? Yeah, so Cindy as in Cindy Lauper, not as in Cindy Crawford, C-Y-N-D-I. <laughs> <laughs> and Darnell, D-A-R-N-E-L-L. Yes. So, uh, and on the first page you'll see it there. It's the Atlas of Erotic Anatomy and Arousal. And so what it will be is mm. um, an online downloadable visual an audio seminar that people can watch in their own homes. There will be four modules that people can purchase. One is female erotic anatomy. One mm-hmm. is male erotic anatomy. Another mm-hmm. is anal erotic anatomy. And yep. the fourth one is female orgasm and ejaculation. So each Super. module is illustrated by one of Australia's best anatomical illustrators, Lily May Martin is her name. Mm-hmm. Her work is breathtakingly beautiful. Yes, and I have to say I've been looking at what she's done and it's just gorgeous, yeah, absolutely she's, gorgeous. She is incredible. So I'm really, mm. really happy to be partnering with her on this project um, mm. because so much of it, even though I do have a very, very solid understanding of anatomical knowledge and I want to explain, I'll come back to Lily in a second, um, yep. where this is different from what you might get if you open sort of Gray's Anatomy or a regular textbook is Mm. that a lot of medical texts focus on reproduction. They don't Mm. focus on pleasure, Mm. which especially for Mm. for women is a really big thing because we don't often hear about how female genitalia works in Mm -hmm. the context of eroticism. We generally only hear about it in the context of childbirth and pregnancy, which is great, Mm. but not necessarily sexy for some women. So this is this is where (laughs) the point of difference is. Yeah. Yeah. So this is where the point of difference is being able for to encourage women and this is a resource that's available that would be available, I would say sort of to fourteen to fifteen and upwards. Certainly it's Mm. an adult product and you know parental guidance people might want to watch it themselves before they show it to their uh, teens but Mm. there's certainly nothing sleazy about it there's nothing smutty about it and it's also in response to what I see is a lot of panic around people concerned that young people are watching porn and they don't really know how to have sex and they're doing all these extreme things and you know there's a look there's a lot of arguments on both sides and I'm not going to get into that but what I wanted to do was create Mm. a product where people can actually learn about how their bodies work. And that's also why I included the component on um, anal anatomy because, Mm -hmm. quite frankly, a lot more people are having anal sex these days or certainly they're talking about it a lot more. And they need to know. And they need to know how to do Mm. it from a pleasure perspective, that it's Mm. not often the way it's depicted in in some of these films, that we do need to make it... Um, pleasurable and enjoyable for everybody yeah, beautiful erotic experience yeah mm. and mm. when we know how to do it and we know how to do it well with care from a place of consideration and pleasure it can be an amazing experience and goodness knows everyone who's tried it and not had a pleasant experience with it it can be awful so oh, we want to make it mm. <laughs> yeah good it, you know <laughs> Yes. We want to make and, it good. So having and a resource to be informed can, about whether you want to do it or not as well exactly, would be useful. Exactly. Yeah. So when you yeah. have an understanding of how your body works, you're mm. going to be in a much better position to be able to navigate pleasure, to be able to to find out what you like, to experiment with different things and then be able to better communicate that to partners or just to to 
work with yourself or the universe, as it were, um, to be able to have that kind of sexual experience. So going yeah. back to Lily May, her work is, um, if you saw on her website, a lot of it is very um, sensual. Sexuality and sexual depictions are a really important part of her work. So yep. the pairing between her and I feels like a really good fit when I first was scouting around for artists to work with. Um, for, the, for those of us who want to have an idea of Lily's work, where, where do they need to go? What, what do they have to see? Where do they have to link to? Um, mm. If they go to the Atlas of an Erotic Anatomy and Arousal Project, which mm. is on possible, there's just, there's just so many words. If I can ask people just to go to my website and all the information is there on the front page, they'll see the image and click straight through to it. Um, yep. And That's a beautiful the, image of a woman lying on a bed. There's, a, there's an image yeah. of a woman lying on a bed, a, a pencil yeah. drawing, and it's just yeah. beautifully and beautiful and tasteful. Um, yes. And this is probably the easiest way. Otherwise, I've got to get links and numbers, and there's too much for people to write down. But just yes. going straight through to my website, cindydarnell.com. That's, that's, that's C-Y-N-D-I, Cindy, mm. Darnell, yep. D. <clears throat> D-A-R-N-E-L-L. And we're going to have a short break soon, so that'll be a good time for people to go and have a look and have a little bit of a browse and see how they can contribute to this fabulous project if that's what they choose to do. Mm. Yeah. But we've got another minute or so before we go to break. But so the, the, the deadline mm. is, that for, because this is a podcast as well, the yes. deadline is the 6th of August 2014. Yes. At so midday if, Australian time. Yes. Right. So Which for those of you who means for those in America it would be Tuesday. Right. Yes, they have a little bit longer to to contribute. Can I just say before we go for the break, um, I'm personally really excited about this, Cindy. This is certainly something that um, I'll be using and I'll be recommending to people to to be having a look at. Um, Thank you. Yeah. No, and that's why I'm really excited about this, and I'm pledging as well. I'm going to pledge a nice amount for you. Thank um, you very much. That's very kind of you. Yeah, and why I've got you on this program as well because I, you know, as, as a you know fellow professional, I know how hard it is to get some decent information out there about anatomy. Um, yeah, well, and that's the thing, and that was my inspiration behind this project because mm. through all the studies that I've done from a variety of, you know, you and I did the same master's degree. We and did, yes. The ana anatomical information in there was good, but not as thorough as I guess I would have liked. Mm. Um, and so I've, that's why I've sort of taken it on upon myself to really research from a variety of disciplines. So going into holistic health, I've been talking with Pilates teachers. I've been talking with yoga teachers. I've been mm. talking with urologists. I've been talking with gynecologists. I've been talking with um, doctors and mm. naturopaths. So I've gone through and sexological body workers to get a real range of perspectives on how the how the pelvis works in mm. all genders and often again um, the, I've included the male arousal anatomy and men often think that oh what you know it's just about getting an erection and sticking it in and, and that is so not what it's all about a for a lot of men that. that they really I think a lot of men really miss out on the robustness and the the real depths of the erotic potential that are available to men because mm. they I think they don't really have the opportunity to experience how much their their genitals and their full and the whole pelvic is. region is mm. able to, to experience. So I really want to encourage mm. men to recognize that this is a resource uh, for, them, as for well. them, for their bodies as well, and also if okay. they have female partners to understand their mm. female partner's bodies better. 
Okay, we need to go to break right now. So everyone have a look in on Cindy's website during this short break and we will be back to talk about it more in just a minute. Cindy, I think it's a fascinating part of our culture that so few of us get taught until at least the later years of our education about anatomy. We live in our bodies all the time, 24-7-365. And you ask children about where their various bits are, and they don't know because nobody tells them. Yeah, well, that includes spleens and things too, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's Mm. not just – and so there's a general ignorance about anatomy anyway, just general anatomy. Yeah. If if that's so true of general anatomy, it's even more true of sexual anatomy. Yes. What do you think is the thing that we both need to know about our sexual anatomy? What do if you if like there were if you only had like five minutes, which is basically what you have to tell the, <laughs> to tell to tell the world what um, what they most need to know about their sexual anatomy? What would you have mm. to tell them? Oh, I. <sighs> Based on what I see with my clients in the, in my practice, mm. it would be it would be for women to actually take the time to to have first of all to have a look at what they have. A lot of women have not done that, and it may seem unusual to folks like us who spend our lives sort of thinking about it and doing like things like that. But mm. there are so many women across the planet of different ages and, and races and cultures who, for whatever reason, are terrified, absolutely terrified of mm. their own genitals. And this needs absolutely to change. I'm, assuming, I'm, say, as, I'm assuming that you're not using that word terrified lightly. <laughs> no. No, I'm not. I mean absolutely terrified that they they go through that you know they hit 25 and maybe they get married or or have their first sort of relationship um and they have never ever so they've looked at their feet they could describe their own hands with mm. their eyes closed but you ask them to describe their genitals and they this wash of terror comes across their face. It's like well, why why is a, a a set of genitals more inferior than an elbow. Mm. Who who deems that to be correct? Who who decides that was the truth? Or scarier? Yes. Or scarier? You know that this is this is the strangest thing that we can quite happily discuss our fingernails, but mm. we will not discuss our genitals. So this well, is we'll a discuss really our bowel ha- movements, but not our vaginal yeah, and movements. For men, <laughs> a big thing mm. is the fear of the anus. Yes, true. So, this is something I think that also I would like to see changing, even just from a health point of view. There's evidence to suggest that regular prostate massages um, are helpful to preventing prostate cancer. Yet there is this fear around any kind of anal anything for a lot of men, um, mm. the implication of homosexuality associated with that when uh, mm. there's nothing apparently homosexual about um women having things in their bums nobody sort of thinks oh well she must be a lesbian then so (laughs) it's it's an interesting double standard that Mm. that sort of a broader culture has an assumption that um men who enjoy anal penetration must be gay when Mm. maybe they actually just have and men's bodies are actually designed in such a way that their their g-spot is in their backside so Mm. um Regardless of their sexual orientation. It's got nothing to do with their sexual orientation (laughs) at all. Nothing 
nothing at all. Um, no. And so I really think men miss out a lot in, in that regard as well. Again, because as we were saying before, pleasure for a lot of men tends to be very penis focused. Um, mm. And penises are great. I'm a big fan myself. But mm. um, there is so much more to men than their, than their penises. And that's the thing I guess I would really like men to understand. Mm. Yes. So women need to transcend their terror of their own of their own genitalia. And I find too, if I may say, um, you know, working with clients as well, that for some women, perhaps it's not so much a terror, but for a lot of women still seem to think to have this idea that they don't own their own genitals. That like yeah. the genitals are something that come into play when when their partner's present. You know, generally, mm. you know, the man comes yeah. along and 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 he kind of owns them, and he's the one that accesses them and does things yeah. to them, yeah. and that she doesn't really own it herself. And that's the idea that, you know, a lot of, especially a lot of younger women, when you ask them what do they mm. like, mm. they often say, I don't know. I'd say a lot because, of older women don't know either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they don't know because they've never taken the time to work mm. out what they like. And again, it's the assumption that, that women, heterosexual women like intercourse. Some mm. do. And some find it a little bit mediocre and they mm. might actually find a whole bunch of other things exciting. But because we are fed the mm. notion that intercourse is real sex and everything else is, is less the than. The leader or the leader. Um, yeah. we, off, we tend to prioritize intercourse over other sex acts, which mm. for women can leave them feeling a little bit um, empty, as it were, mm. Um, mm. and you know, a lot of women don't have orgasms from intercourse and it's not because there's something wrong with them. No, or they go to the intercourse too quickly and so they're not mm. actually ready to... They're yeah, not they're, not, they're not warmed up enough. Not warmed um, up enough to really enjoy the intercourse. Yeah, so for women to, be to really aroused. be really mm. ready, they can, you can spend an hour <laughs> on, on arousal play um, mm. before we have any kind of penises going anywhere near any vaginas. And mm. I think a lot of folks don't understand that. A quickie mm. is great, but when your entire diet is made up of quickies, yes. um, it's kind of like, you know, you don't want to eat McDonald's all the time. All the time, yes. A little and bit occasionally is, is perfectly fine, but if your entire diet is made up of fast food, mm. you're not going to feel great. And of course, fully and, satisfied. And of course, yeah. the tantric approach is entirely about turning everything into a feast, <laughs> so that your so that your everything in life is mm. a prelude. Well, if it has, if you want to think of it like that, a continuous exploration of sensuality, of which sex is an integral part, yeah. without being in its own separate little cage somewhere, mm. waiting yeah. to be let out only mm. when things are okay. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. And, and along that lines, one of the things I love about what you're doing here, Cindy, um, we touched on it before, was about the sensuality of the images and so forth, that this is, mm. you know, it's classy and it's tasteful. And, and I know you and I share a, a particular, I suppose, aesthetic around sexuality, which brings in the, um, you know, the more tantric approach plus the erotic approach, that mm. it's not sleazy, but it's not clinical, that it's actually something that's so much more, I, I often talk about the poetry of sex and that seems to be coming into this work of yours as well. Cindy, it's Absolutely. been wonderful. It's important. It's been Go wonderful on. to have had you. Oh, we Thank have to you. Wind up it's lovely to, to have, to have That wasn't very smooth, you. was it? No. Oh, <laughs> we've, we've, we've all had, we've both had Cindy. We've, we've both had Cindy. In fact, and so have all our listeners. Oh, my God. Oh, it's been a, a global it's been gangbang. It's a pleasure <laughs> being had by all of you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so thank you for being our sex geek of the week. We've been, oh. We, and My we honor. wish you the and we wish you the best of luck with the um, with the anatomy 
of arousal. Can we just give our listeners the link one more time? Sure. Mm. So cindy.com. Yes, and that's Cindy, C-Y-N-D-I-D-A-R-N-E-L-L. Thank you. What what happens if um, it doesn't go through this time? You're going to go through a second shot? Uh, Well, yes, technically yes, but um, I'm really pitching for this to go through the first time because I... Mm. We're ready to go. So I've got my artist ready to go, um, yep. my technique ready to go. I'm ready to go. We're all ready to go. And the so world is ready for this information. And the world and I- really is ready for it. And this is the other thing. There is nothing in the world like it. There are, there are textbooks around. There are anatomical texts. There are lots of kind of books about sexuality, but nothing that actually talks about the anatomy for a variety of bodies and all genders together. Um, mm. in, a, in a video format. So this and really is a first. Brilliant. And unfortunately now we're ready to go too. Oh, Next week. We are talking about the future of sex and our sex geek of the week will be... Ross Dawson, a futurist, who will be talking about what this is in store. He's a future geek more he's than a, future a sex geek, geek isn't yes, he? Yes, but he's a, sex, he's a bit of a sex geek too. He's a sex oh, geek yes. too. You have... Still waters run deep with oh, Ross. Oh, 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 those scientists, those, those nerds. Okay. They can be so sexual. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll join you and thank you again to Cindy. And thank you we will. Me. It's been a pleasure and we'll join everyone again same time next week. <laughs> 